Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is former venture capitalist and founder of the Conscious Business Institute, Peter Matthews. Peter, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Well, we have so much to talk about today, so let's dive in. And I was hoping, Peter, you could get us started by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and then about the journey that took you kind of from where you were to where you are now. All right. Yeah, that's a trip. <laughs> that's a good, good place to start. As you might hear, I'm a German fellow. I've been raised in a pretty traditional way. I studied electronic engineering. I joined Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. And for some reason, I came to the point where I said, you know, is this what I want to do with my life only after about a year in Holland? And I said, I went back to my peers and, and asked them and they said, well, yeah, I kind of feel the same way, but we have to make money somehow. For me, that wasn't quite enough. So I founded a software company because I thought if I create my own organization, I can be independent, I can call the shots. But I came to the same juncture where one evening I was working on a computer system and I just said, what's my purpose? Is this what I want to do with my life here? What's the bigger picture? And so I sold my shares in the organization and moved to California because I saw that companies were built in a little different way. I was very intrigued by the energy and the passion that was in Silicon Valley and, and the possibilities that were there. So I moved there. And aside from getting involved in the tech field there and also in the finance field, I got involved in things that were, that were completely off the beaten tracks. I worked with shamans. I looked for intuitives. And the reason was that I was asking these deeper questions. What's the purpose of all of this? Is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? Or is there a big, bigger picture to all of this? And as I did that, I got exposed to things that were rocking my boat and really re, yeah, resketching my reality. And then I took all of these experiences and said, we have to bring them into our today's world, into our business world, because business is so powerful in our world. And so I went back to Germany. I became a venture capitalist with Apex Partners. We had about 10 billion euros under management at that time, so quite substantial. And I thought if I could build organizations in a way where we can create really amazing cultures, sit on the board of organizations, bring the money into organizations and build really inspiring cultures, we can make a dent in the world and we can use the power of organizations to really make a positive impact in the world. Well, I didn't find that was all that possible, <laughs> especially with people, general partners and limited partners who are in it for the money only. And so eventually I pulled the line and I said, you know, if I want to find a different way to build organizations, if I want to find a way where people are more purpose-driven, are more inspired in the way they work and live, I have to leave the system. And so I left my relationships at that time, my career as a venture capitalist, my home country, packed two bags and moved to Santa Barbara, California, where I'm living now. And then after a few years, had the insights to build the Conscious Business Institute, which I've now built since 2005. And we're out in the world working with some of the most iconic organizations like BMW, Starbucks, Intel, 
to help them transform their cultures and lead in a different way. Here, before we get too much into that, which I, I want to do, I want to go back to that transition and drill into that a little bit deeper. You know, you, you said some things that, that tease me to, to ask more, you know, and I think a lot of people listening to this, you know, you know maybe from you know, on occasions, you know, having questions about their own purpose and the fact that you had the courage to really explore perhaps unconventional approaches to how to really look at that. I think it's worth worth talking about. So could you could you speak a little bit more about you know that transitional journey? Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> because it's still a journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good question because I made a point as a venture capitalist to ask our portfolio companies and the many companies that we looked at and considered investing in, ask the leaders what is it that you really want to do with your life. And to my surprise, the more I asked, the more people were opening up to me and saying, you know, I really want to do something different. I'm going to make some money here and then I'm going to do something different. I'm going to become a photographer in South America. I'm going to open this beautiful little restaurant in Cote d'Azur to just run a little family thing. And so I realized that working with organizations that most people really would like to do something different if they just knew how to make money. So that's really a, a crisis situation in, in our culture, I believe. And so we, and most of us hold these deeper questions inside of us that are never getting asked. What's my purpose? How can I create more fulfillment? Why am I creating struggles in my relationship? How can I build a culture where people really would like to work? These deeper questions, which are oftentimes not touched. So I, I ventured out and explored these questions for myself because I just wasn't willing to do it the other way anymore. And my body suffered, my relationship was falling apart, and I said, I need to change something. And so when I explored um, with these people that I met, uh, we started looking around for people that will often be off the beaten tracks, my then fiancé and I. And so we found intuitives, shamans, kahunas all around the world. We spoke to about 90 of them, from Africa to Hawaii to Scotland to the United States. And we ended up staying with one person that was living a few blocks from us in Carmel, <laughs> Carmel by the sea. This person had the ability that when you sit in front of him, he's able to see you for who you are and really look at your soul. And that meeting changed my life. I sat in front of him. He did not know anything about me. And he talked to me for three hours who I was, who my wife was, who my parents were, my siblings, why we had conflicts. And honestly, I had never anybody in my life uh, see me that clearly that this man was able to do after 30 years of my life or 32. So that was a life-changing experience because first of all, he saw my soul and allowed me with that to express that in the world. And secondly, it posed a fundamental question, if there's somebody who can see all of that, what's happening in the world that I'm not, not aware of? So following these breadcrumbs, talking to these kind of individuals changed my consciousness. And when we change our consciousness, we can't go back to the old ways because we cannot unsee. There's no undo button for, for a consciousness change. So my life changed. That's a, a story. And I think there's a lot of people that would love to have that kind of experience and don't know how to do it. Don't know what steps to take to put themselves in a position where that could happen. So now, now that you have these, this different insight about your life, your perspective. Tell us how, how those insights have translated into what you're doing today. 
Yeah, they put me on a journey, first of all, because that day when I walked away from this gentleman, I knew that I was supposed to live a certain way. And my life started changing. I started making different choices. I started making bolder choices. I started realizing I'm not ready to do it the old way anymore. And I made those choices to move away from it. Did it make life easier? Or sometime it didn't. On the contrary, there were times when I was deeply despair, really, where I said, oh my God, how am I going to survive this transition here? <laughs> because it's a jump into uncertainty where you don't know where the money is coming, where you don't know what's happening, whether you're wasting your life. I was literally asking myself the question, am I wasting my life while my partners from the old firm are raking in the millions there? But I followed the breadcrumbs and it got me to a point where actually I was on a plane in New York where I was sitting by the window at seven o'clock in the morning, flying from New York to Charlotte to do another workshop and dozing after one workshop. So I was half asleep, half asleep. And then there was this insight that I received Conscious Business Institute, which completely woke me up. And for an hour, I was there writing down everything that I received. And I said, this is what I want to do with my life. There's no question. At that point, there was in 2004, Conscious Business wasn't a word that was established. There was no conscious business out there. There was no book. There was no nothing. But I knew this is what I what I wanted to do. And so it took me about a year to bring together the courage to call up some people. And after I did that, within two months, I had about 16 people on board to help build the Institute. Tell us about the Institute. What does it do? What does it do? Yeah, that's a good question because at first we were asking the same, the very yeah. same questions that what is conscious business? What are we doing? So we brought these experienced people together and discussed and say, yeah, yeah, this is this. Oh, and then eventually we just had four that said, okay, let's go into organizations and make it end. So we worked primarily with smaller organizations because that's the world that we came from. And also because we said, this is where we can make the biggest difference. But we found that working with them and bringing a different consciousness wasn't quite enough. There were still integrity issues. Monies weren't paid, conflicts, all those kind of things that are happening in organizations. So about two years in, in 2007, after founding it in 2005, I pulled the plug and said, we need to rethink. And so I retreated for about nine months and developed these new approaches that we're now taking out. So since 2008, 2009, we've developed really a structured approach to transform organizations from where they are to where they want to go. We ask the question, what really constitutes an inspired organization? What are the parts that are necessary to build an organization where people say, wow, I want to work here? And that creates something truly meaningful in the world. So we've got this model and then we've created programs around that so that this idea of conscious business becomes something that people can start today and then go step by step and know at the end they'll end at a certain point where they want to go. So a structured, measurable approach. And that's Talk to us. That's great. Talk to us a little bit about the programs that CBA offers. What types of programs are there? What topics do you talk about? What format do you like to present those in? Tell us a little bit about CBI's programs. Yeah, there are a whole variety of programs. When we work with organizations, we usually structure what they really need. Maybe it starts with a workshop. Maybe it starts with a keynote speech, which I've just done in South America. Or uh, we go in with a larger program that touches 10, 20, 50, 100, maybe 500 people or so, where we take them through this approach together. It really depends on where the company is at. Sometimes we just do coaching programs with the leaders. 
And then we have a couple of public programs, for example, the Conscious Business Master Program, which is kind of a flagship for people who really would like to understand these methodologies and maybe even get a master's or a PhD in conscious business, which we've just created. But based on all of these uh, programs is our approach, which is kind of a circle with four quadrants, if you want to think about that, which is the answer to the questions that are received, like what really builds an entire organization. So these four quadrants, if you imagine a pie in front of you and you have these four, four pieces of pie, there are four elements that are necessary to build an inspired organization. The first one is the self. So if you think about it yourself, you want to show up authentically. You want to be yourself in an environment. You don't want to wear a mask. You want to show up with your purpose. You want to know whenever you create stress, how to deal with that. So it's one human need that we all have, full self-expression. That's the first quadrant. The second one is then how do we connect with each other? How do we build teams where we genuinely connect, where we maybe even share a vacation with each other because there's genuine connection there? How do we collaborate? Again, it's a human need that we all share, connection. The third quadrant is how do we make a difference together? Because again, it's a human need to make a contribution in the world. And the fourth one is to make money, to be sustained, to be saved. So if these four quadrants are fulfilled, then nobody wants to leave that organization yeah, because it's about human needs and our human basic needs get fulfilled. I don't want to ask you to reveal any confidences for sure, but are there examples, stories that you've been at this a while now? And so you've had you know a good number of experiences with different organizations. Could you share some stories about how you've played a role in, in helping that organization implement these four things that you're talking about, and then what was the outcome? What was the result of that that you could share with us? Yeah, I can share a couple of stories. One is with a leader at a large semiconductor company at about 3,000 people, and he was just going through our coaching program. So on a very, very individual basis, we led him through these four quadrants, and then about his personality, about his leadership, we talked about that. And so after the program, he said this was the most life-changing experience that I've ever had. It's incredible. And so when he brought this into the organization, he was re needing to report to the board about his budget and all these kind of things. And so usually these board meetings can be pretty gnarly and they take your budget apart. And how do you break it down? He was in and out in 10 minutes and the board said, like, how did you not just fulfill our budget, but actually, I mean, you did better. You spent less money. You made more money. How did you do that? And he attributed that to our programs because he found a different way to lead, where people are pulling the train instead of him doing everything as a leader. So there's, there's one impact working on an individual leader, and now he takes other people in, in the organization through the same program. Another example is an organization of about 450 people, and which is a subsidiary of a large automotive company. And the leader said, we want to bring these approaches in. So we worked with the boards first seven top leaders and leading them through three workshops, helping them understand and think in a different way. And then we worked with a middle management, about the 50 people with webinars, three months approach. And then we took about 80 people off the entire organization through a 12 months program of the whole structured program that we had. And at the end of the program, I mean, they were all in tears. They were just standing there and said, my God, we're a family. We, we want to create something cool together. And they are. You know, they're really... I think one of the biggest impacts that they stated is that everybody is a leader now. They're, people are rolling up their sleeves, there's ownership, and everybody's just going into the same direction. 
But just a practical question. First, let me ask, what's the profile of uh, the kinds of organizations that you think are a really good fit for what you do? Are they, I mean, yeah, I've heard a couple of stories here, but these are relatively large organizations compared to a lot of the organizations that our listeners are involved in. You know, our listeners a lot of times have their own practice with just a few employees. What's the profile of the right fit? Uh, there's no profile in terms of size, because if it's just a two-people organization, we work with a lot of coaches who have small organizations, and they join the master program, for example. Yeah, So they go through the same process with a cohort together and experience the same juicy stuff. The profile is that there needs to be an openness. If people are not open to really thinking out of the box to get their consciousness stretched, then it's a little hard. Because then we are pushing water up the hill and there's resistance and it really is not fun for, for anyone. So if there's an openness to explore and to really explore those deeper questions and to make space for that and take a little time for that, that's basically the only requirement, a curiosity yeah, to see what's behind the mountain. <laughs> so do you do it virtually or do, do, do participants come to Santa Barbara and hang out with you for a weekend or a week? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, we've done that as intensives in all kinds of ways. We go to organizations. I was just in Switzerland, for example, where we went into the mountains and worked with a company of about 30 there. Yeah, so we did that. There are hybrid ways that have worked really well in person and then online and then person online. Or our master program is completely online where we meet every two weeks in webinars, but in between there's a online programs, etc. So either way works. Interesting. That's very interesting. So talk to us just to change gears for a minute. You've mentioned kind of the journey that has led you here into the founding of CBI, but you also mentioned before we started the podcast today that it's a journey that you're still on. So tell us about that and how that impacts the, the continuing journey. What's that like and how does that impact what you do with CBI? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to issue a little warning sign here. <laughs> because, We're ready. You know, we want to explore new dimensions in our life we all have that urge as human beings and when we embark on this journey of expanding our consciousness it's an infinite journey it's an infinite game there is no end point where we say i'm conscious now right because there's always more exploration and anybody who says who's conscious is not conscious so <laughs> i would never want to say that so I find myself on this journey and, and every day I'm asking myself new questions and I get, it's not that all the challenges are gone. I'm just expanding into different areas and new questions arise. Yeah. So we, it's a commitment to be on this journey because once we do, we get the backpacks to carry. And, and so we, it's something that we need to commit to doing. Yeah. Love that. That's great. Okay. Here's another deep thought question for you. I'm hitting you with all the zingers today, Peter. Okay. Through the work, the experiences that you've had, the journey that you're on, and then the work that you're doing through CBI and really interacting with all of these people in their lives, what is it that you hope your legacy will be? Honestly, I'm not thinking about legacy. I'm thinking about impact. And the reason is because legacy, for me, there's in the word, there's an, a me annotation to it, like that I'm important. And I want to leave something important. And I feel that our world is at a point where much of the me has caused problems in our sustainability in the world when it's all about me. So I'm really thinking more about impact. What's the us? How can we create a world that works for all? 
Because if we don't do that, then we can't build good organizations. We can't build a sustainable environment and happy families, really. So my question is really, what's the impact that I can make here? And how is that best done? Yeah. And to me, when I look at the world, um, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So there's probably no surprise here. But I believe that moving our consciousness to a different level is required if we want to tackle any of these challenges out there in the world, whether it's wars, whether it's climate change, whether it's political divides, all these kind of things. There's one consciousness thing, one level of thinking. If that is changed, there's a resolution there. So that's the avenue that I'm taking. I, I love the power of the we, not me mentality. So I agree with you 100% there. Love that. Stan, I know you have more questions. What I can see them forming. What questions no, do you have, Peter? No, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that's right. I think I'm just. You know, I'm intrigued by. Uh, you know, I mean, when I hear you describing this, you know, I'm really intrigued by. You know, what sort of impact if people who go through this program? What impact it has you know, on, for example, relationships, relationships with, you know, the people they work with, relationships, personal relationships. I'm sure it's both, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. And I came to realize that really the quality of our life is directly proportional to the quality of our relationships. Any issue that we have, any issue that I speak to with leaders, anything has a relationship component. Yeah. Even if they can't meet the budget, there's a relationship component there. And so if we don't figure out this relationship thing to ourselves, to our relation, uh, relationship with money, for example, to the relationship self-confidence or the relationship with others, then we'll keep bumping into walls. And most of us have never learned how to build fruitful relationship. There's no course in school that I took, at least, that says, how do you build fruitful relationships? So that's why this is one module in our program, which really teaches the fundamentals of relationships. How do we build fruitful relationships? What are the elements that are needed to do that? And then how do we transport them into an organization? Yeah, but the Dalai Lama says that any conflicts that we have, again, there's one insight that's missing that could transform that conflict. Yeah, so even in our relationships to our wife, to our husband, to Whoever we have, if there's a conflict, there's one aspect that we just need to understand, which could transform that entire relationship. Sort of listening to this, thinking that it'd be great if we could get you a contract with the with the Congress, you know, and get those guys in a room together and and work with you. Yeah, I've never heard that the first time, but I'm not sure whether I have the patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, is there anything else, Peter, that we didn't talk about that you would like our listeners to know about? Yeah, maybe to speak a little bit about, I'm coming out with a book. Yes, please so many people talk to us about the book. Yes, there are so many people asking, is there something that I can read about this? Is there something that gives me a bit of an idea? And this book is really targeted towards the professional in the workplace that is asking deeper questions. So there's an itch that I find with so many people that they can't quite reach. It's somewhere back there. And there's like, where do we look? Where do we find that? And so I'm publishing a book called Plan B, B for Being, because we are looking at a diff different level of being. And the premise is that our current model of success, which we've been taught in this world, is not designed to make us happy. We're all taught a model that we need to do more, we accumulate more stuff, and then eventually we become somebody. Yeah, We do more, we accumulate money, and then we become independent or happy or something. 
And if we look around, it really works only for 5 to 10% of all population. Everybody else is struggling either with money or with time. So we need to understand that it's actually our model of success that we're consciously or subconsciously pursuing, which is making us suffer. So there's a different one. If we look at the 5 to 10% of people that are really, really thriving in life, they live by a different model, knowingly or not. And so we'll speak about this model in the book and how we can embrace that for our own life. And part of it is just to understand our beingness, our authenticity, and how we can bring this fully into the world. When's Fascinating. The yeah. I was going to yeah. release date. Yeah, it's getting finalized right now. I expect it to be there either July or August. Perfect. That's great. And what's the title again? Plan B. B-E, like being. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. And I think we can mention this in the show notes, right? Uh, you sure can. Yep. Yeah. And we can update the show notes, Peter, when the uh, book comes out as well. We will include a link to the book once the book gets published. So that's something we will definitely look forward to. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. This has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today was Peter Matthews. And for more information on Peter, his book, Plan B, and the work that he does, visit ConsciousBusinessInstitute.com. Peter, thank you again. Thanks so much for your time. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.